Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. And for those who are watching at home, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 43. Uh, Just about four months ago, it was March the 13th. It was actually Friday the 13th. And uh, that morning I came to the church early because we were shooting a video and uh, the video was going out to all of you all to let you know that we were gonna actually still gather in person that Sunday, uh, despite all the fears and everything that was happening around us uh, with the uh, coronavirus. And and so I went home and later that afternoon, my family came over, we were uh, celebrating my birthday and uh, we couldn't help but watch the news while we were eating because this uh, fear and this, you know, just hysteria started to uh, grow and we couldn't take our eyes off of the news. And, and uh, sure enough, that evening, the NBA canceled. And when the NBA canceled, it was like, oh, wow, this is like legit serious. And then the NCAA uh, tournament canceled. And uh, then I started getting text messages about what are we going to do? And pastors calling, what are you, what are you guys going to do? And, and uh, so we ended up deleting the Friday morning video and I recorded a Friday evening video saying that we were going to gather online only and uh, totally not prepared, totally uh, not ready for that type of transition or that kind of change. We went for it because at that time we felt like it was the smartest and the wisest thing uh, to do. And so for 16 weeks, we gathered online and uh, many still gathering online with us today. But during this time, we've all been asked to make changes. You've been asked to maybe stay at home and quarantine. You've been asked to, uh, you know, follow new protocols at work. Maybe you had to shut down altogether. Maybe your business even closed. Uh, So we've all kind of gone through some seasons of anxiety and fear and uncertainty and and, uh, really has gone all around the country and the world. And yes, we're meeting in person today, but still kind of just a, a fraction of our church. So many still gathering online. Um, But we, 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 I think, are still kind of thinking like, okay, what's school going to look like in, in, you know, next month? And what's, what are, what are, what's football going to look like? I mean, that's really the most important question, right? What is that going to look like in the fall? Um, what, well, what's work going to look like? You know, what's the economy going to do? Uh, after November, is the whole thing going to go away? I don't know. Like, like we're all questioning and wondering what the future really kind of holds. But I think it's safe to say that COVID-19 has changed our life, every single one of us. Um, Many of you have kind of started back to a semi-normal routine, but it's not really normal. It's really, you know, a new normal that you're experiencing at work. There's probably some distancing and mask wearing and that kind of thing that you're kind of trying to adjust to. And um, some, you know, uh, maybe haven't even gone back to work yet. And so you're still kind of wondering and kind of, you know, up in the air. And so I, I think Every single one of us um, are going through changes right now. We're experiencing uh, a lot of change and change is always difficult. It's always stressful in our life. And when we go through a season of change in our life, we tend to focus on everything that we are losing. We tend to identify and think about the thing that I lost and we focus on what we lose or lost and we just want that thing to come back, right? We just wanna have what we used to have. 
And I think of, you know, a dating relationship. And so maybe you dated someone and they broke up with you or a friend, you know, you kind of kind of saw them go through this and, and uh, they broke up, but one person just couldn't let the other person go. And so they kind of kept trying to, you know, reinstigate the whole relationship and it was like dead and over, but they couldn't move on because they couldn't get over the person that they lost. Um, I, I think... For us, you know, when it comes to the virus, we've lost a lot of things. We've lost a sense of normalcy. We've lost a sense of comfort, uh, some feeling of security. Uh, definitely schools have kind of, uh, as they shut down early, kind of, kind of brought some anxiety and, and uh, all of our attention has been kind of focused on this virus and how it's impacting us. So we've all kind of thought about what we've lost, right? But what if during this season of great change in your life, what if instead of focusing on what you lost, you focused on growth? What if instead of focusing on what you lost, you actually focused on the opportunities that this change is actually creating for you and for your family? It's, it's really a shift in your perspective. And so I wanted to start this series called Something New. Um, and the idea for us is that, that this series would, would help us process all the change that we're experiencing. They would help us process and, and really change our perspective and, and allow us to grow through this season of change and, and, and allow God to do the work that he wants to do in our heart. Because I believe God is doing something new. And I know anytime something new comes our way, it's very difficult and anytime something new comes our way, there might be some excitement, but it's always going to require change. And as we've kind of experienced over the last you know, few months, change is hard. But here's the truth I want you to kind of wrestle with. Change is hard, but growth is necessary. For every single one of us, we understand and know that God wants us to grow. In fact, the Bible tells us this over and over again. I mean, for uh, 2 Peter chapter three, uh, the scripture says to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. Um, Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put ways of childhood behind me. So the idea is that you are growing out of uh, this, this immature way of thinking and living and you're growing into maturity. God wants you to grow, but growth always, always, always requires change. You can't grow and remain the same. You, you've got to decide then today how you're gonna face the changes that are all around you. How are you gonna deal with the opportunities and the changes that have been created for you? Changes before us. There's nothing that we can do about it at this point. Change is right here in front of our face. And the reality is the virus is only one aspect of change that maybe you're going through. Maybe for you, it's, it's a relationship issue that's going through turmoil or financially you're struggling because of everything or maybe you're going back to school or trying to start school and now that's all you know, up in the air and frustrating. We all have the virus, but we also have our personal lives that are still going through what human beings always go through and that is change. And so the question is, how are you going to approach the changes that you're facing? 
What's your perspective gonna be? You can give up, you can try to run away from it, but that doesn't make the issue go away. So think about it. In this series and today, I want you to start thinking like, what would it look like for you during this season of change to start focusing on the growth and the opportunities that the change in your life has actually created for you? And I I don't know what this means for you specifically. I don't know how that translates into your life, but I do trust and know that God wants you to grow. I do know that God is doing something new. I, I do know that that change is going to be required for you and I to actually grow. But we also face fear when we face that reality. All right, we know we've got to change in order to grow. But if I change, I'm gonna be you know, a little, little uneasy about what that's gonna mean. I don't know how it's gonna turn out. I can make this decision, I can go with this job, I can go with this route, I can make this decision. But if I do, I don't know how it's gonna happen, how it's gonna end up. You know, so that fear begins to kind of wrestle inside of our hearts. And so I wanna start in Isaiah 43 and start in verse one. Change is hard, growth is necessary, change brings fear in our lives. So let's see what God is gonna teach us today. In verse one, it says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. Specifically here in verse one and, and in verse five, the command is to fear not. Do not fear. God is telling us that no matter what nature can do to you, no matter what uh, other men or women can do to you. He's saying, do not fear. You don't have to fear. You don't have to live in fear because remember what I did for you in the past. Like what, what I did for you in the past proves that I love you. It proves that I cared for you. He says, I redeemed you. And so from the, the bondage of Egyptian slavery, he redeemed the, 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 the people of God. He says, I, I called you by name. You are mine, he says in verse one. So you can count on me to help you. When the deep waters, when the rushing rivers start to you know, sweep you off your feet, guess what? He says, you don't have to worry. It will not harm you, I'm with you. When the fires rise, don't worry because my, my love is in the fire. I'm, 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 I'm caring for you and, and you're precious to me and I love you. So don't be afraid of the trouble that you're experiencing. And if you wanna grow as a leader, if you wanna grow as a follower of Jesus, you've gotta be willing to face the rising waters. You've gotta be willing to face the fires in life because uh, they're always gonna be there. 
change is always going to be around us and, and we're gonna have to make a decision. Do we wanna grow? Are we gonna face those fears? Are we gonna run away from them? We've gotta be willing to make the tough decisions despite what everyone else is saying. And so how do we practically begin to overcome some of these fears that every single one of us are dealing with? When it comes to the virus, when it comes to the future, financially, our kids, parenting, marriage, all of these fears, how do we actually move through that practically? Here are a few things that I would encourage you to write down. The first thing is I would say, admit what you're afraid of. Now, every man in the room, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna like, forget point number one because you don't wanna admit that you're afraid of anything, right? I get it. I, I don't wanna admit even to God that I'm afraid of something. I'm not afraid, I, I'm, I'm gonna push through it, right? But the reality is we all fear many things. And, and, and so I think it's important if you actually wanna overcome a fear in your life, you've gotta identify what it is and identify what it is and actually write it down on a piece of paper, maybe share it with your spouse, share it with a friend, a godly you know, friend in your life because you're never gonna overcome a fear that you don't identify. You're gonna pretend like it's not there. You're gonna pretend like you're awesome and you know, there's no fear within you. But every single one of us are gonna have uh, one of these fears. We're gonna fear that we're not good enough. We're gonna fear that we're gonna fail. We're gonna fear that things aren't gonna work out well for us. Um, we're, we're gonna fear that we're not talented enough. We're gonna fear that the person that we've committed our life to is, isn't gonna return that love to us. I mean, there's a million fears, right? And you've gotta identify what yours is and you gotta write it down. And you gotta confess that to God and maybe even to a godly leader because once you stare at it in the face, now you know what you're dealing with, right? And so then the second thing that you have to do is you gotta focus on what you can control. And you might write that word can in all caps because I know how it is. We like to strategize and we like to think through what's the best decision in this case. But we all know that there is a fine line between strategy and actual worry, right? Where, where is that line where we're just trying to think through it strategically? And, and when does that become actual sin and worry? And you're like, oh, great. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me that my anxiety and my worry is sin trend. Just another thing to worry about, right? Bunch of sinners, right? So, so listen, we've got to focus on what you can control. You, you, you cannot control so many things that are happening in life right now. And so often we allow the things that we are not in control of to dominate our thoughts. And in the what if game, what if this happens and what if that happens and what if this happens? And then we end up creating so many scenarios in our life and, and we end up worrying about so many things that haven't even happened and probably will never happen. You remember what Jesus says about worry? Let me remind you, this is Matthew chapter six. Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? <laughs> you know what Jesus is saying? He's like, you, you, you can't add anything positive to your life by, by being anxious about anything in the world. You're not adding to your life any value. Creating all the scenarios of doom and gloom of what could and might happen to you is a waste of your time. Jesus says it's not productive. 
You've got to be willing to let that go. You've got to be willing to understand that worry does absolutely nothing good for you. It's not going to bring you more money. It's not going to bring your family more health. It's not going to protect your kids. You know, worrying about your kids is not going to actually do anything for them. Worrying about your business is not actually going to do anything for your business, right? And anytime we worry, we know we're not actually trusting. And so we've got to identify what our fear is. Then we have to focus on what we can control. What can you control? You can control your attitude. You can control your decisions. If there is sin in your life, you can control whether or not you actually fall victim to that sin or if you repent of that sin. You can control whether or not you're gonna wake up tomorrow and live your life for the glory of Jesus. You can decide to do that. So many things are outside of your control. Focus on the things that you can control. And then thirdly, you've gotta feed your faith. You've gotta feed your faith. Now, I'm glad to see you all here. If you're tuning in online, this is amazing. You've got to feed your faith, opening up the word of God, hearing the preaching of God's word, joining together uh, in worship of God uh, with our voices as part of feeding your faith. But if the only uh, way that you are getting your faith fed is one hour a Sunday, you know that's not enough. It's not enough for you to just eat once a week. You got to eat every day. So again, I want to encourage you to get the Bible app. There's a million different devotions, maybe not a million, the thousands of devotions, right? That you can download and that you can read and get your mind in the word of God that will direct you. You will be blown away how a consistent intake of the word of God will change your attitude and your focus and the course and direction of your life. Just a small portion of your day, being in a small group, having godly leaders and godly friends in your life that are encouraging you, right? If, if, if all you listen to is secular music, I can tell you, um, I, mean, I, I listen to secular music, I'm not against it, um, but if all you listen to is, is country music, the only thing that country music teaches you that's gonna resolve your problems is, is, is beer, you know, maybe whiskey, uh, or, you know, a woman in your life. Like those are the only two things that are actually gonna help you in life if that's all you listen to. And, and uh, pop music is the same way. It's all about relationships or parties or alcohol, or ma- making yourself feel good. And, and listen, if that's all that we're listening to, then we're not feeding our faith. All we hear is a you know, one hour you know, experience on Sunday. Like it's no wonder you're fearful today. It's no wonder you're stressed and anxious today. Your faith isn't getting fed enough. You need more. Your heart and spirit requires more. And so listen to worship music and, and uh, hear the word of God and, 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 and plug yourself into that to feed your faith. That's what will ultimately overcome fear in your life. All right, let's keep going in chapter three of Isaiah. Hop down to verse 14. He says, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing 
a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for what? Myself, that they might declare my praise. Now let's walk through these verses. In verses 14 and 15, he's talking about the Babylonians, the the Chaldeans, the same same people group is what he's referring to there. And he's saying, listen, listen, I'm going to rescue you from the Babylonians. I'm gonna save you from them, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. You belong to me. I created you as a people. I formed you. I am the one that gave you purpose. I am the one that is your king, right? And so he says, I am the God of you and and, and your people. And so that's the reason why I'm gonna care for you. I'm gonna love you. I'm gonna gonna bring you and redeem you and save you from this, this nation. In verses 16 and 18, he's referring to the Exodus. And so The Israelites were slaves in Egypt. Uh, Moses, let my people go. Remember the story? They are released. But when they're released and they are, you know, leaving uh, Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind and he sends out uh, the the, the army to go get them back. And so Moses is leading the people to the edge of the Red Sea. And at the edge of the Red Sea, people are thinking, oh my gosh, our life is over. We're gonna die. We should have remained, you know, back in Egypt and, and, and stayed in bondage because now we're gonna, we're gonna die. And then Moses raises his staff and God splits the water. And as the army is chasing them, they walk across on dry ground. What an amazing story. And as they're clearing the, the, the sea, all the chariots, the horses are coming uh, to, to give chase. And then the water falls down and destroys them all. God reminds them of this story. And then he says, remember not the former things. (laughs) You ever scratch your head when you read the Bible? Like, what is going on? Like, remember how I saved you and, and, and I rescued you. I gave you the dry river or the dry, you know, path through the, through the sea. And then he says, remember not the former things. So I think, aren't we supposed to remember what God has done in our lives so that it will bring us hope and and faith today? Like, yes, that is important. But here there must be something else happening because God reminds them and he says, listen, listen, listen. Don't remember these former things. And, 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 And the reason is that sometimes, and I think for the people of Israel, this was true, And for you and I, it is true as well. Sometimes we wanna put God in a box. Sometimes we wanna put a straight jacket on God. We wanna tie him down because we expect God to keep doing the same things the same way he has always done them in the past. Yes, God is consistent, but his methods are always different. How he rescued the Israelites in the past is going to look different in their present. He's not splitting the Red Sea anymore. So if they're running to the Red Sea waiting for God to split it wide open again, they're wasting their time. 
And I think there's some people in the room who are expecting God to do the same thing he did for you in the past in the same way you're at the edge of the sea waiting for God to split it wide open for you. And God is saying, you are standing in the wrong place. You are looking in the wrong direction. I want to do a new thing. I wanna do a new thing in your life. Yes, his love is consistent. His power is consistent. That's what he wants us to remember. But his method always changes. His method of rescuing you, his method of growing you, his method of maturing you will always be different. And so let's not try to put God in a box and put a straight jacket on him and say, oh yeah, you rescued me this way last time. So God, where are you at? God, where are you at? Now you're blaming God like he's, he's not on time. You're blaming God as if he's letting you down. He's like, look, you are looking at the wrong direction, man. Like I wanna do a new thing. I wanna show you a whole new path, a whole new way of overcoming this problem that you are facing. In verse nine, he's saying, I wanna do a new thing. And the new thing that God ultimately wants to do is introduce you to his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave. And if you put your faith and trust in him, if you admit that you're a sinner, God, by his grace, will save you. He'll allow you to have a relationship with him. And then one day, when you die from this earth, you'll spend an eternity with Jesus. And the rest of your life is this season of growth, of uh, growing and understanding who Jesus is on a deeper and deeper level. For some of you, you've never given your life to Jesus. You're always gonna face fear. You're always gonna face anxiety without Jesus. Because here's the truth, even with Jesus, you're gonna face it. But with him, you know how to overcome it. Without him, you'll never overcome it. So some of you need to take that step today and give your life to Jesus. Some of you, uh, many of you, 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 you have faith in the Lord. You, you've given your life to Jesus. You understand uh, who he is and what he's done for you. So while you are busy complaining about everything that you've lost and about all the changes that are going on in your life, I think God wants you to know that he's doing a new thing. He's opening a new door. It's a new door that is gonna be so much better and greater than anything you've ever experienced before. It's gonna bless you, it's gonna grow you in ways that you never dreamed of. But you've gotta be willing to take advantage of that opportunity. You gotta be willing to experience that change, even though it's hard. Growth is necessary. So we've gotta be willing to take that step. We've gotta be willing to understand that this is a new thing that God wants to do. And Isaiah says, why can't you see it? Why can't you see it? It's right before you. I think we have a hard time seeing it because our focus is on the news and on social media and on so many stupid things, to be honest with you. And he's like, hey, brand new, whole new method whole new growth and blessing I want you to experience. Stop focusing on what you've lost and start looking to the new thing that I wanna do. How many times have you in your past, how many times have we cursed the very thing God has given to you to bless you? How many times have you cursed? God, I can't believe you're doing this and God, you just shouldn't have done that and you didn't show up on time and God's like, you're, you're forgetting that it's a new thing. 
It didn't come in the package that you thought it was gonna come in. It didn't show up the way that, that you thought it was gonna show up. It wasn't the Red Sea splitting again, right? It wasn't manna falling from heaven anymore. It was maybe a different method, but he says, I'm right here, but it's a new thing. You've gotta be willing to take that step. But here's the thing. When we experience this change, when we experience this new thing, something is required. When God does a new thing, we have to put down an old thing. Have you ever noticed that? That's the hard part, isn't it? When God does a new thing in your life, that means you've got to let go of an old thing, right? To have a, a new relationship, you got to let go of an old relationship sometimes, right? And this is the hard part. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, you remember the famous literary writer, he said, for everything you gain, you lose something. <laughs> and I think the idea for him was that every opportunity you take in life is the sacrifice of another opportunity. You might take the new opportunity to, to have this new job, but if you do that, that means you have to let go of the old job, right? It makes sense. So we're, we're always making these decisions in life. Opportunities come and go, and it's up to us to make those decisions. In the book titled Life's Little Instruction Book, H. Jackson, Jackson Brown says, you pay a price for getting stronger. You pay a price for getting faster. You pay a price for jumping higher, but you also pay a price for staying just the same. You get it, right? There is a price to be paid to grow. There is a price to be paid athletes to, to get stronger and faster and jump higher. But if you do not make that sacrifice, there is another sacrifice that you are making in turn. And so we have to understand this. We have to understand that sacrifice is necessary if we wanna grow. We have to understand that we've gotta embrace the new opportunities that God provides for us. We've gotta have the strength and overcome our fear in order to embrace that. And, and to do that, we have to realize there are some old things that we've gotta let go of. And so I ask you today, what are, the, what are the things that God might be calling you to let go of today? What do you have to let go of? Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's this love of money. Listen, the easy part, you know, when we're asking this question is when it comes to sin, we know God wants us to let that go, right? That's called repentance. That's called laying it down. That's called confession. God, I confess that this is a sin. I know you want me to lay this down. This is wrong. This is against your word. So I confess that. I turn from that. Obviously, we know he wants us to let that stuff go. The harder ones have to deal with the new business deal or the new job, you know, how we spend our money, how we spend our time. You know, those are the, maybe the harder questions today. When it comes to those things, what does God want you to let go of so that you can embrace the new thing that God wants to do in your life? If you were to ask God today, Lord, what do I need to let go of? I believe he would answer you. If you, if you sincerely ask him today and seek the answer to that question this week, I believe God will show you what it is and it'll be a whole new ball game for you as you let something go and sacrifice it for the Lord, sacrifice it for growth. In verse 21, you might circle that in your Bible because it's, it's a powerful verse. Essentially, what he's saying is, God says, I formed you for a purpose. And so everything that we're experiencing is, 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 is out of God's sovereignty and, and plan. I formed you and the purpose to which we were formed is to declare the praise of God. 
Listen, every new thing God wants you to experience will lead you to worship. It'll lead you to the praise of God. In fact, if you took or made a decision that did not lead you to the praise of God, then you messed up somewhere along the way. Because every opportunity, every door you walk through, every change you experience as you walk through that and experience this new thing that God is doing, it ought to lead you to the praise of God. So what do we do with this? How can we practically take some things home with us today that'll help us? If you're taking notes, number one, look for the new things. If all you're looking at is what you've lost, you're not gonna be able to to perceive it. As Isaiah was saying, why can't you see it? Why can't you perceive it? Because you're looking and focusing on the wrong things. Look for the new opportunities that God is preparing for you. Secondly, the new thing is gonna lead you to worship. So we know this, this is the result. We take the, we experience the change, we take the risk, we believe that God is calling us to do something, so we, we make the necessary sacrifices, we walk through that door and it leads us to the praise of God. Why? Because we see, oh yeah, you are in control. Your, your power is great. You do love me. You have redeemed me. You have called me. So every sacrifice that I've made, I see how you have blessed me. And then thirdly, that just leads us to fear not. We just, we, that, that fear begins to dissipate. I look for the new things. The new thing leads me to worship. And so I fear, I fear not. I, I trust and I know that God is in control. I, I trust and I know that God's blessing is already here. I trust and I know that God has a plan for me. I trust and I know that as a church that God is going to continue to grow and continue to do amazing things through the unity of this community. So I, I think as a church, you know, when, it, when I begin to apply this to us big picture wise, I do believe God is doing something new. And uh, as a staff, as a church, we look around, we see God moving and, and we just believe God is continuing to lead us towards what we've called the 2020 vision. And that started um, even before 2020 uh, occurred. And we had no idea what was going to happen in this year, but definitely has delayed us a bit. But our elders, our staff, we truly believe that God continues to lead us to pursue the renovation of the West building. And so this something new, this, this, uh, uh, Really risk is, is, is really a risk that, that by faith we believe God is, is gonna use and, and God is gonna bless. This whole renovation is, is for our kids' ministry and our student ministry. We, we know that we're a church made up of a lot of young families with a lot of kids. And the thing that I love the most about our church is that kids love to go to church here. They love it. Students actually love to go to church. And if you find a church where kids actually enjoy, you gotta cling to that. Because <laughs> it wasn't always true for me growing up. In fact, it was not a true statement. And so uh, here is different. And uh, we got a lot of young families and a lot of young families that have been in quarantine for about four months. So I think we're gonna have a lot more babies in the next you know, six, seven months. So while not everybody has returned to gather in person, they are going to. And that's why I think it is imperative that we as a church continue to move forward with the new thing that we believe God wants us to do as a church. And so uh, on this first floor next door, it's gonna be uh, for babies on the right, preschoolers on the left, when, if you were to walk in uh, through these main doors. Um, it's gonna be a, an amazing uh, opportunity and relational environment for our kids. And 
on the second floor, office spaces for staff. If you don't know, our staff actually works in, most of them work in one big room, so a lot of distractions. And, and uh, so this is gonna help them. Gonna be classrooms for journey classes, base camps, Bible studies, that kind of stuff as well on the second floor. Studio as well to, to record the worship songs that, that uh, our team is creating, which is awesome, saves us a ton of money. And so um, just so much needed and incredible space. We, we do this though for young families. We do this not for me, like I don't have kids that little anymore, not having any babies, FYI. No, 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 can't go back to that, right? We've already been there, long gone. So this is not for me. And it may not be for your kids specifically. And so nothing that we do as a church is ever for me. It's ever for the, the, the current people. It's always for the people who are not here yet. And so when we as a church united move forward to this new thing God is doing, like we give and we're a part of something, not just for us, while it will bless us, we do it for those who are not here so that young families will hear the gospel, so that children will experience uh, an adult leader that loves them and cares for them and pours into them and, and one day leads them to Jesus or, or a student who uh, comes from a broken family or just a rough you know, home setting and walks into an environment where there are men who actually love Jesus and are manly and it's like, okay, you know, the movies have been lying to me. That's not what Christianity is. I, 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 I wanna hear more about this Jesus. Like that's why we do it. Um, and so we see lives transformed, even today, baptizing even more people into the kingdom of God. It's an incredible thing. But instead of me just talking about it, I wanted to give you guys a visual of it. So our architect, our team's been putting together some, some images. And so we've got a short video I wanted you guys to see today so that you can kind of begin to picture what it's gonna look like. Guys, can you go ahead and run that video? This summer, Foothills Church is excited to announce that we are breaking ground on our renovation of the West Building. There are so many incredible things that will be happening in this renovation, and we're excited to finally share and showcase exactly what we will be doing to provide you and your families a safe and amazing worship experience. Here at FC, we truly believe that the next generation matters. That's why we are going to be completely updating all of our environments for our children. To begin with, we're adding a totally secure and family-friendly area for all of our babies that will be perfectly suited for your little ones. Located centrally in the building, we will be putting in a volunteer room as well as a way to provide the people who serve here at FC an amazing environment to prepare as a team and celebrate the work that God is doing. We're also going to be building two new large group rooms for our preschool children, ages three to five, that will give them an incredible space to worship and learn about Jesus every single week. On top of that, we're adding a number of classrooms for them to use just for small group. Moving upstairs, we'll be building a new office space for our staff as well as providing a number of new rooms that we will be able to use every week to accomplish our vision of making mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. Adding these spaces will allow us to have an amazing place to train and equip the people of Foothills Church through our journey classes, be able to intentionally invest in our people through dedicated counseling rooms, 
and we will have the opportunity to do a number of other amazing projects that will see the kingdom of God further here in Blunt County through the people of FC. In 2009, Foothills Church started with a vision. Today, we carry that vision onward by developing mature disciples of Christ in relational environments every single day. We pray that you join us in this latest chapter as we aim to multiply disciples, multiply campuses, and multiply resources to take the gospel to our city, region, and the nations. It's because of your faithful giving that we are able to invest in the next generation in this incredible way here at Foothills Church. So we pray that you continue to give faithfully as we pursue our vision to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments in a number of new and exciting ways. Thing, um, we've got to be willing to put down some old things, right? And in order for us to, to do this together, I think there are a couple of things, a couple of ways that we need to be mindful of as we move into this season. Probably going to start looking right now in August that actually the renovation begins. And, and so one of the first things I think that we're going to have to be willing as a church to, to lay down is our convenience um, it's very convenient right now, sometimes how things are and checking in, we've kind of gotten used to that, but uh, we're going to have to shut down a, a large portion of the West building. And so that means uh, that our kids are going to have to go into other areas and the theater and the, the, the preschool hallway is still going to be open, but uh, most likely as, as we need space, we'll have some modular units that'll be outside. So you might have to check your kids into those outside units. Um, not going to be able to go in the same doors for a season. And, and so our convenience is going to have to be uh, hindered a little bit. If you've ever uh, seen or, or been a part of a renovation in your house, you, you kind of know the drill. You know how that is a little inconvenient for a season. But uh, we truly believe that it's necessary to embrace that inconvenience and, and, and sacrifice in order to do what God uh, wants us to do. And then secondly, we've got to be willing to lay down uh, your sacrifice financially. And so that just means each of us like uh, need to examine where our giving is at and, and are we giving? So many of you are and, and, and we trust and believe God has, has used that and will uh, use that to allow us to do uh, this as a church and for this community. But I do know that there are many of you who are not. And, and so I wanna encourage those who are not to begin. I wanna encourage you to recognize that this is a sacrifice. This is um, uh, part of what it means to be a part of a growing church. Uh, we've gotta be willing to, to do our part and, and uh, in order to honor God with our resources, it's just part of um, being a faithful follower of God. And so I wanna encourage you and challenge you in that endeavor as we move forward over the next uh, several months in this renovation, we're gonna need you. You know, this isn't the Taj Mahal, like we're not building something and you know, there's no statues of Trent going up or anything. Like this is just, you know, clean walls, nice, you know, whatever, good environments for our kids. And so you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that, that this is something that God is calling our church to. And so if this is your home, if this is where you belong, then I wanna invite you to join us. I wanna invite you to participate in that endeavor. And we know and we trust that in this new opportunity, it's gonna require change. That requires trust. It's gonna be difficult at times. There's gonna be sacrifice involved. We're gonna lose some of our convenience. Change is hard, but growth is necessary. 
You know, one of the reasons why so many churches aren't growing and, and, and aren't, you know, places where kids want to attend or go is because they're not willing to make those necessary changes. And so we don't want to fall into the same old, same old. We don't want to fall into that way of thinking. And so I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to join us in this new thing God is doing. Next Sunday, we're gonna continue to look at how God is is doing new things in our lives and and, and ways in which you can see and and experience his movement. But we know this to be true. While, While God's methods might be different every time, his love, his power always remains the same. He always provides a way. He's gonna provide a way for our church to take the next step. He's gonna provide a way for you no matter what fear you're facing today. He's gonna provide a way. We just have to look for it. We gotta sense it. If there's a decision you need to make today, maybe you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can stop by the care and prayer room today. If you're watching online, you can text the number below. If you're in the room, you can actually use your phone and and the camera on your phone to scan that QR reader in, in in the seat in front of you and that'll lead you to a decision form. Whatever it is, let's be faithful as a church. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we trust and know that you are going to make a way. You're gonna make a way through this challenging season. Change is hard. We know that growth is necessary. We know that growth requires change. And so God, give us strength. For those in the room today that are kind of, hanging by a thread. Give them encouragement that you are the way maker. You you are a God who loves them and cares for them and chose them. And so Father, give us faith, give us strength to continue to pursue and do the, the things that you've called us to do. As individuals, as a church, God, we praise you, we love you. We wanna sing to you today and declare that truth that you are our way maker. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing to the Lord.